and I despise your books. I despise wisdom and the blessings of this world. It is all worthless, fleeting, illusory, and deceptive, like a mirage. You may be proud, wise, and fine, but death will wipe you off the face of the earth, as though you were no more than mice burrowing under the floor, and your posterity, your history, your immortal geniuses will burn or freeze together with the earthly globe. I could have totally chosen a different code, but this one seemed period appropriate, don't you think? Hi there, and welcome to another episode of your one source for stories new and old, mostly old, folksy with me, Iser. This is our second season going on, mainly because I love talking and I love hearing my own voice even more. But most of all, I love discovering and helping others discover fiction new and old so that they can enjoy as much as I do. <laughs> so let's talk about the format here a bit before we get on with today's tale, mainly because I don't know today's author too well yet and I wish to explore his life at a later date. I start off usually with a quote from our author of the day, like I did, and then open up the main length with an intro and welcome to all of our lovely listeners. Then I proceed to introduce our author of the week as briefly yet coherently as possible, adding in as many nuggets of novel information as I can. And then, when everyone's raring to go, we start with a story. Like right now, for instance. See you on the other side. This story is called An Upheaval. It appears in the collection The Lady with the Dog and Other Stories by Anton Chekhov. Mashenka Pavletsky, a young girl who had only just finished her studies at a boarding school, returned from a walk to the house of the Kushkins, with whom she was living as a governess, found the household in a terrible turmoil. Mihailo, the porter who opened the door to her, was excited and red as a crab. Loud voices were heard from upstairs. Madam Kushkin is in a fit, most likely, or else she has quarreled with her husband, thought Mashenka. In the hall and in the corridor, she met maidservants. One of them was crying. Then Mashenka saw, running out of her room, the master of the house himself, Nikolay Sergeich, a little man with a flabby face and a bald head. Though he was not old. He was red in the face and twitching all over. He passed the governess without noticing. He passed the governess without noticing her and throwing up his arms, exclaimed, Oh, how horrible it is! How tactless! How stupid! How barbarous! Abominable. Mashenka went into her room and then, for the first time in her life, it was her lot to experience in all its acuteness the feeling that is so familiar to persons in dependent positions who eat the bread of the rich and powerful and cannot speak their minds. There was a search going on in her room. The lady of the house, Fedosya Vasilyevna, 
a stout, broad-shouldered, uncouth woman with thick black eyebrows, a faintly perceptible moustache and red hands, who was exactly like a plain, illiterate cook in face and manners, was standing, without her cap on, at the table, putting back into Mashenka's workbook balls of wool, scraps of materials and bits of paper. Evidently, the governess's arrival took her by surprise since on looking round and seeing the girl's pale and astonished face, she was a little taken aback and muttered, Pardon, I I upset it accidentally. My sleeve caught in it. And saying something more, Madame Kushkin rustled her long skirts and went out. Mashenka looked around her room with wondering eyes and, unable to understand it, not knowing what to think, shrugged her shoulders and turned cold with dismay. What had Fedosia Vasilyevna been looking for in her work bag? If she really had, as she said, caught her sleeve in it and upset everything, why had Nikolay Sergeyevich dashed out of her room so excited and red in the face? Why was one drawer of the table pulled out a little way? The money box in which the governess put away 10 kopeck pieces and old stamps was open. They had opened it but did not know how to shut it, though they had scratched the lock all over. The whatnot with her books on it, the things on the table, the bed, all bore fresh traces of a search. Her linen basket too. The linen had been carefully folded, but it was not in the same order as Mashenka had left it when she went out. So the search had been thorough. Most thorough. But what was it for? Why? What had happened? Mashenka remembered the excited porter, the general turmoil which was still going on, the weeping servant girl. Had it not all some connection with the search that had just been made in her room? Was not she mixed up in something dreadful? Mashenka turned pale and feeling cold all over, sank onto her linen basket. A maidservant came into the room. Liza, you don't know why they have been rummaging in my room? The governess asked her. Mistress has lost a brooch worth 2,000, said Liza. Yes, but why have they been rummaging in my room? They've been searching everyone, miss. They've searched all my things too. They stripped us all naked and searched us. God knows, miss. I never went near her toilet table, let alone touching the brooch. I shall say the same at the police station. But why have they been rummaging here? The governor still wondered. A brooch has been stolen, I tell you. The mistress has been rummaging in everything with her own hands. She even searched Mihailo, the porter, herself. It's a perfect disgrace. Nikolay Sergeyevich simply looks on and cackles like a hen. But you've no need to tremble like that, miss. They've found nothing here. But you've nothing to be afraid of if you didn't take the brooch. But, but Liza, it's vile. It's, it's insulting, said Mashenka, breathless with indignation. It's so mean, so low. What right had she to suspect me and to rummage in my things? You are living with strangers, miss, sighed Liza. 
though you are a young lady still you are as it were a servant it's not like living with your papa and mama mashenka threw herself on the bed and sobbed bitterly never in her life had she been subjected to such an outrage never had she been so deeply insulted she well educated refined the daughter of a teacher was suspected of theft she had been searched like a street walker she could not imagine a greater insult and to this feeling of resentment was added an oppressive dread of what could come next all sorts of absurd ideas came into her mind if they could suspect her of theft then they might arrest her strip her naked and search her and then lead her through the street with an escort of soldiers cast her into a cold dark cell with mice and wood lice exactly like the dungeon in which princess tarkanov was imprisoned who would stand up for her her parents lived far away in the provinces they had not the money to come to her in the capital she was as solitary as in a desert without friends or kindred they could do what they liked with her i will go to all the courts and all the lawyers mashenka thought trembling i will explain to them i will make an oath they will believe that i could not be a thief mashenka remembered that under the sheets in her basket she had some sweetmeats which following the habits of her school days she had put in her pocket at dinner and carried off to her room she felt hot all over and was ashamed at the thought that her little secret was known to the lady of the house and all this terror shame resentment brought on an attack of palpitation of the heart which set up a throbbing in her temples in her heart and deep down in her stomach dinner is ready the servant summoned mashenka shall i go or not mashenka brushed her hair wiped her face with a wet towel and went into the dining room there they had already begun dinner at one end of the table sat fedosia vasilyevna with a stupid solemn serious face at the other end nikoli sergeich at the sides there were the visitors and the children the dishes were handed by two footmen in swallow tails and white gloves everyone knew that there was an upset in the house that madam kushkin was in trouble and everyone was silent nothing was heard but the sounds of munching and the rattle of spoons on the plates the lady of the house herself was the first to speak what is the third course she asked the footman in a weary injured voice esturgeon a la russe answered the footman i ordered that fenya nikolai sergeich hastened to observe i wanted some fish if you don't like it mashiri don't let him serve it i i just ordered it fedosia vasilyevna did not like dishes that she had not ordered herself and now her eyes filled with tears come don't let us agitate ourselves mamikov her household doctor observed in a honeyed voice just touching her arm with a smile as honeyed we are nervous enough as it is let us forget the brooch health is worth more than 2000 rubles 
It's it's not the 2000 I regret, answered the lady, and a big tear rolled down her cheek. It's the fact itself that revolts me. I cannot put up with thieves in my house. I don't regret it. I regret nothing. But to steal from me is such ingratitude. That's how they repay me for my kindness. They all looked into their plates, but Mashenka fancied after the lady's words that everyone was looking at her. A lump rose in her throat. She began crying and put her handkerchief to her lips. Pardon, she muttered. I, I can't help it. My, my head aches. I'll go away. And she had got up from the table, scraping her chair awkwardly and went out quickly, still more overcome with confusion. It's beyond everything, said Nikolay Sergeyevich, frowning. What need was there to search her room? How out of place it was! I don't say she took the brooch, said Fedosia Vasilyevna. But can you answer for her? To tell the truth, I haven't much confidence in these learned paupers. It really was unsuitable, Fenya. Excuse me, Fenya, but you've no kind of legal right to make a search. I know nothing about your laws. All I know is that I've lost my brooch. And I will find the brooch. She brought her fork down on the plate with a clatter and her eyes flashed angrily. And you eat your dinner and don't interfere in what doesn't concern you. Nikolay Sergeyevich dropped his eyes mildly and sighed. Meanwhile, Mashenka, reaching her room, flung herself on her bed. She felt now neither alarm nor shame, but she felt an intense longing to go and slap the cheeks of this hard, arrogant, dull-witted, prosperous woman. Lying on her bed, she breathed into her pillow and dreamed of how nice it would have been to go and buy the most expensive brooch and fling it into the face of this bullying woman. If only it were God's will that Fedosia Yasilyevna should come to ruin and wander about begging and should taste all the horrors of poverty and dependence and that Mashenka, whom she had insulted, might give her alms. Oh, if only she could come in for a big fortune, could buy a carriage and could drive noisily past the windows so as to be envied by that woman. But all these were only dreams. In reality, there was only one thing left to do. To get away as quickly as possible, not to stay another hour in this place. It was true, it was terrible to lose her place, to go back to her parents who had nothing, but what could she do? Mashenka could not bear the sight of the lady of the house, nor of her little room. She felt stifled and wretched here. She was so disgusted with Fedosia Vasilyevna, who was so obsessed by her illness and her supposed aristocratic rank that everything in the world seemed to have become coarse and unattractive because this woman was living in it. Mashenka jumped up from the bed and began packing. May I come in? asked Nikolay Sergeyevich at the door. He had come up noiselessly to the door and spoke in a soft, subdued voice. May I? Come in. He came in and stood still near the door. 
His eyes looked dim and his red little nose was shiny. After dinner, he used to drink beer and the fact was perceptible in his walk, in his feeble, flabby hands. What's this? he asked, pointing to the basket. I am packing. Forgive me, Nikolay Sergeyevich, but I cannot remain in your house. I feel deeply insulted by the search. I understand. Only you are wrong to go. Why should you? They've searched your things, but you... What does it matter to you? You will be none the worse for it. Mashenka was silent and went on packing. Nikolay Sergeyevich pinched his moustache as though wondering what he should say next and went on in an ingratiating voice. I understand, of course, but you must make allowances. You know my wife is nervous, headstrong. You mustn't judge her too harshly. Mashenka did not speak. If you are so offended, Nikolay Sergeyevich went on, well, if you like, I'm ready to apologize. I ask your pardon. Mashenka made no answer, but only bent lower over her box. This exhausted, irresolute man was of absolutely no significance in the household. He stood in the pitiful position of a dependent and hanger-on, even with the servants, and his apology meant nothing either. Hmm, you say nothing. That's not enough for you. In that case, I will apologize for my wife. In my wife's name. She behaved tactlessly, I admitted as a gentleman. Nikolay Sergeyevich walked about the room, heaved a sigh and went on. Then you want me to have it rankling here, under my heart? You want my conscience to torment me? I, I know it's not your fault, Nikolay Sergeyevich, said Mashenka, looking him full in the face with her big tear-stained eyes. Why should you worry yourself? Of course, no. But still, don't you go away. I, I entreat you. Mashenka shook her head. Nikolay Sergeyevich stopped at the window and drummed on the pane with his fingertips. Such misunderstandings are simply torture to me, he said. Why, do you want me to go down on my knees to you or what? Your pride is wounded and here you've been crying and packing up to go. But I have pride too and you do not spare it. Or do you want me to tell you what I would not tell as confession? Do you? Listen. You want me to tell you what I won't tell the priest on my deathbed? Mashenka made no answer. I took my wife's brooch, Nikolay Sergeyevich said quickly. Is that enough now? Are you satisfied? Yes, I took it, but of course I count on your discretion. For God's sake, not a word, not a hint to anyone. Mashenka, amazed and frightened, went on packing. She snatched her things, crumpled them up and thrust them anyhow into the box and the basket. Now, after this candid avowal on the part of Nikolay Sergeyevich, she could not remain another minute and could not understand how she could have gone on living in the house before. And it's nothing to wonder at, Nikolay Sergeyevich went on after a pause. It's an everyday story. I need money and she won't give it to me. It was my father's money that bought this house and everything, you know. It's all mine. All mine. 
and the brooch belonged to my mother and it's all mine and she took it took possession of everything i can't go to law with her you'll admit i beg you most earnestly of overlook it stay on thout comprende thout pardoner will you stay no said mashenka resolutely beginning to tremble let me alone i entreat you well god bless you sighed nikolay sergeitch sitting down on the stool near the box i must own i like people who can still feel resentment contempt and so on i could sit here forever and look at your indignant face so you won't stay then i understand it's bound to be so yes of course it's all right for you but for me <laughs> i can't stir a step out of the cellar i'd go off to one of our estates but in every one of them there are some of my wife's rascals stewards experts damn them all they mortgage and remortgage you mustn't catch fish must keep off the grass mustn't break the trees nikolay sergeitch his wife's voice called from the drawing room Agnia call your master that then you won't stay asked nikolay sergeitch getting up quickly and going towards the door you might as well stay really in the evenings i could come and have a talk with you eh stay if you go there won't be a human face left in the house it's awful nikolay sergeitch's pale exhausted face besought her but Mashenka shook her head and with a wave of his hand he went out. Half an hour later she was on her way. And that was today's tale. Unfortunately, I still don't know how to give you a better introduction to Mr. Chekhov, so I'll just read the Wikipedia description then. So Anton Pavlovich Chekhov was a Russian playwright and short story writer who is considered to be among the greatest writers of short fiction in history. His career as a playwright produced four classics and his best short stories are held in high esteem by writers and critics. Chekhov practiced as a medical doctor throughout most of his literary career. Medicine is my lawful wife, he once said, and literature is my mistress. He kind of sounds like my parents. They also kind of tell me to do writing and reading and all that as my side job. <laughs> anyway, the story was kind of awesome when you think about it. The kind of behaviors exhibited here, the elitism, the general disrespect of human life. All those concepts they have translated back to the current times and it's like Well, if you're listening to this in real time, as in on the day of launch, we are in the times of quarantine, and it's kind of harder to exhibit this behavior when everybody else, everybody is basically stuck in their own homes. And but I feel like the elite class or somebody with an elitist attitude would still be right there in the same pit. You know the wife, uh, the person who, whose name I just cannot pronounce properly. I guess Yevna something. 
her thing was like you know visible selfishness not being able to see the forest for the trees not being able to see anything past her own selfish needs but her husband sergej uh yeah he he was worse in a lot of ways i mean i can kind of understand by putting myself in his shoes how one might have come to that position but even after seeing all the people inside of the house except for him searched from head to foot and justifying it by the fact that they're just servants and it won't change much for them since you know they don't have it and he was able to justify away his wife's horrible behavior because he too is a selfish person he wanted his own money it was his money <laughs> kind of get that but oh, come on the point of the story i feel was not to comment on the marital distress that was happening but yeah i like stories like these where they're not trying to give you a moral they're just depicting something that happens in real life but what did you think about it did you get something different that i totally missed i'd i'd love to hear about it If you're listening on YouTube, leave us a comment downstairs, but if you're elsewhere, you can now leave me a voice note and I'll even add that to the next episode. Link for this is in the description. And by the way, even if you are on YouTube, any platform you're listening to this on, send me a voice note, man. Uh it's been so long since I've heard people's voices. You know, in the profusion that I'm used to. So I I would just love to hear from as many of you as possible. Today's music selection comes from Prodrid Man as is basically standard now for us here at Foxy. There's a link to the track in the description so go show him some love too. And this was today's episode of Foxy. Catch you here next week as we explore another 19th century behemoth of a short story writer. All the best for your lockdown. Cheers.